Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Today, Craig and I are going to talk about something really interesting. Heroin and a salary. <laughs> that is quite the clickbaity title, Craig, that we're going to roll with. But we didn't say it specifically. Naval did. But you wanted to talk about, about uh, a perverse relationship that a lot of us have with money and our income and our and our lifestyles maybe so because you want to spearhead this roll on tiger let's see what you got so um many many say this it's not just naval but um they say that the addiction of a salary is like an addiction to drugs and i correlate as dentists one of the reasons why we're unable to retire at the proper age is because we are high salaried. And I think this needs to be talked about because I think that unfortunately we are not taught about money in dental school. Money is something that like, I remember even talking to my father about asking my father, Hey, Hey dad, why don't you tell me that whole life insurance was a bad idea? He's like, well, Craig, you never asked. I'm like, Oh shit. I mean, I lost a lot of money on certain things. So money is just something that is not understood. We don't, we don't get taught it. And I think there's a need to describe why it's important. And as you, I mean, this knowledge is important. And as you go through life, you and I have met a lot of super affluent people and we met them later in life. We didn't meet them. We were in our early twenties. We're meeting them like in our mid forties, late forties. And for me at 50. So I was doing things at like 43 and 44 that I'm like, what the hell was I doing? And I think this is an important thing because dentists are uniquely, um, they dentists fall prey uniquely to this aspect. And what do I mean by that? We are high earners, very, very high earners. Typically, you know, the average dentist can make, you know, upwards of, you know, several hundred thousand dollars a year. And we typically will do better over time. So your first year in practice to your 10th year, to your 15th year, to your 20th, you become an expert in your craft. And so your income is steadily increasing, which is great, which it can actually build a lot of wealth. The problem is human nature is such that your lifestyle will expand in step or greater than your income increase. So great, you're making five or 6% more each year, 7% more each year but your lifestyle is going up by nine to 14%. So we have this idea that since we have such stable jobs and they tend to be recession proof that over time, we're going to keep doing better. We don't save like we should. And, um, you know, we had Scott Galloway in the podcast and I think he had said at that point that, you know, he's probably worth, you know, tens of millions of dollars, if not more. And he's never made more than $150,000 in salary in any given uh, year. And I think that's important because money doesn't get you rich, but events will get you rich. Like certain events that you hit in life will get you to rich, uh, to your wealth. Because when you hit an event and you sell an asset or you have a piece of business and that business sells, you typically don't go run out and spend that liquidity event. You tend to be more conservative and you invest that. It was an investment. You treat it as an investment. Whereas salary, it's just crazy. And I had a, before we started recording, I had one of my employees that used to work with me and she was an assistant, you know, making typical assistant salary and always running into money problems. And I, you know, I don't mind getting personal with my people, but um, now that she left the office, I feel like I could do a little bit, I could do a bigger service for her because she recently made a lot of money in Bitcoin. 
you know, a lot for, you know, 30, 40, $50,000. And she was very public about it, posting about it on, on Facebook and stuff like that. Look at this. I'm, I'm crushing it. And then no sooner, you know, than three or four days later, she's rolling out with a brand new white, you know, five series BMW. Um, and this is a person who consistently, you know, she was going to paycheck advance stores and she got herself in trouble many times and, you know, you know, double digit, you know, paycheck advances. And it just goes to show me that people just don't have financial intelligence. And this girl who I care about is making the same moves repeatedly. She's about to go through the same exact thing. And she bought this car which I know makes her feel good, but it's com a complete waste of money for a person that has a very limited financial um, wherewithal and also finances means. So, um, you know, I see that a lot. I see a lot of um, young associates that are just starting out and they, they buy the seven series and the Porsches and all that stuff. And, you know, I always say, if I had not done that, if I had delayed some of that gratification and done, uh, you know, invested, if I knew what I know now, um, at 28 or 30, I, even if I was, you know, an associate working in a practice, making just a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, I would be so far ahead of where I am. And the big difference is I would have invested in assets and not just spent and not just accumulate cash. I know you feel the same way, Peter. I do. I do. Um, you know, I just, I think it's, there's so much to touch on this and it's interesting that, uh, first off, I think it's just, it's a pervasive problem in America, not just not just high income earners, like even most Americans, there's, there's statistics that say that uh, 50% of all adults would have a difficulty right now paying for a $400 emergency expense. Okay. And then one in five of those would not be able to pay the expense at all, meaning they, they would not be able to find it. So that is a problem, right? We living paycheck to paycheck is a problem. And it's not just for the lower income earners. Like, like you said, the, the, the analogy of the heroin is more and more and more. So even if you're, if your salary, quote unquote, your paycheck is a lot, your life may have expanded to eat that heroin, so to speak. Right. And so it, it is a treadmill and you feel like, all right, I'm running seven miles an hour. I can probably go to eight and buy this bigger house. I can probably go to eight and a half and, and buy this, buy this sports car that I finally deserve. I can, I can probably go to nine. And now you, and in, de and in dentistry, it's it's difficult because, like you've always said, it's a linear exchange of time and money. LeBron has so is basketball. You know, time and money, right? LeBron, LeBron has a job, just gets paid a lot. Dentists have a job, they get paid very well, but you're you have to run, you have to practice the ball, right? So when you stop, typically, so does the income. So if you get injured, something happens, there's a catastrophic event in your town, whatever it is, it puts you. It's vulnerable. You have a vulnerability with that, unless you have a bigger practice, right? Where you're not, the, where your income is is predicated on it, your practice being a business, not just you being the dentist. Now, I do know lots of dentists who have done really well, Craig. Being 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 they've 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 done they've been a single practitioner their entire career. I was actually went with last night. Um, was pretty controlled in his spending, even though he was a specialist. You know, and he's going to retire. And he told me last night, he's like, "Look, I'm I'm probably just going to walk away." I said, isn't that a beautiful thing? Meaning that you're not, that your, that your retirement is not predicated on you having a big swath of money that's going to fill in that retirement. He's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I just had to kind of plan for this because, you know, specialists, it's hard to sell my practice, blah, blah, blah. And what Naval says, Greg, is that like, ideally money is made in big tranches, yep. big tranches of money. Right. And this is why a lot of the tech founders, I think, get 
rich is because they are willing to do startups. Let's let's call it tech or biotech or anything. They are willing well, to do it's, startups. It's an, it's an entrepreneur, actually. An entrepreneur is okay. someone who's All right, willing... but you see it in tech a lot more, yeah. right? Meaning well, someone just, who's willing to go without salary for years yeah. and years and years. And eating right? ramen noodles live, for years. To live lean as shit. And I fell, I fell into the same trap, meaning I thought my lean years were dental school, unfortunately. Meaning, well, that's that's another trap you're pointing out, which is very interesting. Well, hold on. Way. time. Let me unpack it. That's cool. Let me unpack it. I, know I thought that I like my it. struggle, my, my my entrepreneurial startup, metaphorically, going back to the uh, the tech, was dental school. Like, you know what? I suffered enough. Suffered enough. I'm going to get out. And I'm going to buy myself. A, I'm going to buy something nice. I'm going to buy a car. And then I bought a house, right? And so I actually was like, wait a second. I see this happening, this slippery slope. And it wasn't like I was making a bunch of money out of being a first-year dentist. You know, it was decent. But my my lifestyle was definitely... Uh, writing checks that my my income could not cash. So um, I had to reel it in, Craig. And back to you, I recognized early on that I was not a very disciplined saver. Saving never resonated with me as a human in, in terms of what I wanted to achieve, because it just didn't seem it didn't seem sexy to me. It didn't like like I am very high on the excitement level, meaning you've got to I adventure and excitement and risk is things I like. So what I've always done is aggregate money and then deploy it, get it out of my hands so that I don't, I don't feel quote unquote rich. Right. So I, I aggregate money for a year, and I, but I don't want to look at those ones and zeros in a bank account. I aggregate it. And then I'm saying, I need to get rid of this. When I say rid of it, I mean, into an income producing aspect asset. One that's going to appreciate with inflation, and that's a whole different elephant in the room right now, right? The, the government just told us, the government told us, which is sketchy to me, that it's 6.8% inflation. So if the well, government it's is telling you because that. because they were saying there's no inflation for so long. Right. Like, right. Yeah, well, well, gas and chicken and, and, and goods. No, 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 that's not real. It's not real. It's going away. So that's in this scary, macro environment, which we're yeah. going off topic a little bit, but in this macro environment, the only people who are going to do who are going to be able to protect themselves the people who have equity and assets. Yeah. Well, inflation actually helps the rich. The same $1,500 payment you have for your house, $1,500 doesn't buy the same amount of milk or gas or chicken or uh, but the rent. The irony or is yeah. the inflation, the, the, the creation of money is the thesis was designed to help those support. Yeah. yeah. Right. To, to so give out money, to print money and give it to people. It's a paradoxical I know. dilemma. It's so, not a paradox. It's just for politics. The optics are these people get, are giving me, they're helping me, but there's a day of reckoning where it actually well, is taxation is all it is yeah. in a different form. So let's go back. I don't want to get on that topic. because but I love what whole- you said. I think that you're pointing out a distinction about dental school that I never thought about, but I readily, I remember that feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why are dentists so, why, why such a few percentage of dentists can, can, can they actually retire at 65. And I think it's probably a good deal of that as well. You figure you suffered enough. You took out these loans and <clears throat> I was watching um, David Ramsey, sh- the David Ramsey show. And he, there's a famous one. I, I think I sent it to you. It's about an orthodontist that got out of school, <clears throat> excuse me, with $1 million. Yeah, in debt. I saw you said you forwarded me the clip. And yep. David Ramsey, although I don't agree. He was speechless. With, he was speechless. He's like, you are broke. He's like, and what do you drive? And the guy's like, well, I just got a new Lexus. He's like, I want you to remember you were a broke as hell dentist. 
you are broke. You not only you broke, you're a million dollars in debt. He's like, that is absolutely ridiculous. He's like, and and the same thing with like the chiropractors and all stuff. It's like, at what point does the debt not make sense? You know, I, I think that's an important, in, and, then, and then also the spending. I mean, you could, if you hustle and repay it, that's one thing. But at a certain point, I do believe um, the, the debt, debt service is going to going to limit your lifestyle for, for a long time. Well, I just think from a business standpoint, you know, I love dentistry, Peter. I know you do too, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a number. And I don't know the statistics of how it's trending, but I know it's trending is compared to the revenue that you can make. The cost of education is outpacing that. So if those two lines are going out in the future, eventually there's a point in time in the future where it's just like, it doesn't make sense. It's better to borrow a million dollars and buy a commercial piece of property at that point. Yeah, you know, well, at least you get more, a, a capital return rate, right? Right. Um, I mean, you still get a return rate on your uh, on your education, but at a certain point, the interest rates will rise, and it just you will never be able to pay it off. Well, too, you have to also be careful with that because not only does it limit you on on your debt service, Greg, but it also limits you on if you want to become entrepreneurial, you have an unsecured debt, which we talked about ad nauseum, right? Then you have an unsecured million dollar unsecured debt. The bank's going to say we're good, like that's. Yeah that's too much exposure for us and you want to borrow a million dollars to build a practice like we're good thanks are you getting the most out of your practice we'll find out exactly what type of dentist you are and understand exactly how to get impactful results by zeroing in on your superpowers and mitigating your weakness want to find out head over to dentistquiz.com now to get your results so greg this is where i think this this for people who have a problem or maybe even people who don't have a problem, but I'd like to hear how you do it because you're actually very uh, frugal. You're a good saver. Well, I mean, I, but, I, but hold on, hold on. Cause sorry. I know I asked, I know I asked, but let me, let me say, let me say something first. This is where I think the profit first methodology, right? We're paying yourself. If you know, if you've identified from the self-awareness perspective, like, you know what, I'm a little sideways here, you know, I'm spending my, 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 my outcome is pretty much equal to my income. <laughs> And this is not this is not sustainable because if I get hurt or something happens to practice or I have a massive liability or whatever. So I have always liked the pay yourself first. So take 20 before you pay yourself a paycheck, create a bank account inside your own bank account. Before you do a distribution to yourself, let's say you're a practice owner. Before you do a distribution to yourself, take 20% and deploy that right into that bank account before you ever determine hmm, how much should I take this month or how much, what's my income going to be this month? Take 20% and put it away. Put it's it away. hard. It's hard to do Peter. Okay. I've, never, okay. I've never done that. But it's I mean, hard to do, but it's, the way, it's just habit. I know, but the way you do it and I do it, we're leaving. I something. do it through a DSO management company. No, no, no. You also, you do it on another level. You own real estate and real estate is a forced savings account. When you're supposed to put 20% here or there, you'll do it. You'll forget. It's like we're supposed mm. to you know, change our oil. Or it, there's all these things we're supposed to do, and it just never happens on time. But when you have a mortgage payment, when you have an income piece, when you have real estate that's income producing, you must pay your mortgage. You must pay it by the sixth of the month. If it's the ninth or the 10th, you're going to get a penalty. So it's mm-hmm. forced savings. And it's also really important. I talk about this a lot because we had a guy in the mastermind that said, like, you know, I only make 200 grand a year and blah, blah, blah. And I was better off as an, uh, an associate and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, what about your building? He's like, yeah, I have a $30,000 a month building payment. You know who I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what percentage of that is principal? It's like 20. 
or 20,000 of the 30s principle. Mm-hmm. I was like, so you're actually paying, you know, you're actually making an extra $240,000 per year. You just, you, just, get to see it. you just don't get to see it. And yeah. that is the secret of the rich. And it's an leveraged asset, by the right. way. But it's money in your pocket, your left pocket. You can only spend the money in your right pocket. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where people get rich. When you have assets that are illiquid, but that are, that are long-term good plays, that's, that's where people make their money. And I think that's where we, we conflate as dentists or unsophisticated, unsophisticated financial people that all debt is bad. So you have people like doing what I call the Archie Bunker or blue collar thing. Like I'm going to pay down my entire house. I don't want a mortgage because my, a lot of dentists are sons of, you know, and and daughters of blue collar workers Mm -hmm. where it was taught to them, beaten into their head that debt is bad. You know, if you can borrow like Peter, some people are borrowing at 3%, you know, your, your debt is also tax, um, tax exempt. So if you're in a 40% tax bracket, you're borrowing at 3%, your real cost of capital is 1.8%. Inflation is six. So holy hell, I mean, is debt really that bad? You know, I was doing double down principal payments on my house like seven, eight years ago, or even sooner, sort of like five years ago. My house is, I'm sorry. Horrible idea. Horrible idea. But, you know, it's like people are like, you shouldn't have debt. You know, David Ramsey will say, pay down your house. Yeah, because David Ramsey and and I'm not knocking him. He's just for a certain type of individual. He's not for a wealthy person. He's for the person that just wants to get unhinged from debt. And what who we're speaking to is we're we're speaking to people who want to be free of money problems. Mm -hmm. Granted, money won't make you happy, but money will fix all your money problems. Mm -hmm. And money problems suck. I've had them, Pete. I know you've had them. Mm -hmm. They suck. So yeah. this is this is who we're talking to. So I was paying down principal payments on my house because I was listening to a David Ramsey type, and I said I shouldn't have debt. Meanwhile, my house has gone up, you know, double digit percentages every year. Whether I sell it and I owe three hundred thousand, or I sell it and I owe seven hundred thousand, I'm still getting a massive, massive check. And when you put money into your house, it's really hard to getting out to get you out. You can't harvest it again. You can't harvest it because the closing costs and the doc stamps and title insurance make it inefficient to do so. So what I did, and this is not, this is just for me, I got an interest only loan on my house. So I got mm. it for 2.5%. I only pay 10 years. Okay. I only pay interest. But what did I do with the extra couple thousand dollars that used to go to principal? So my payment was like, you know, five G's or 5,500, it went down to like 2,500. So what did I do with that three or $4,000 extra principal per month? I have it automatically going into my creative, uh, my dental financial freedom account mm-hmm. with creative planning. So I'm not spending that money. So the secret is when you, yeah, I remember you told me you were doing that. that was yeah, smart. You know, it's just, I, I never felt it, but I never, I got by with that amount of money um, before. So I just moving it around and moving it to different buckets. And it's amazing how long-term you, you know, these assets will perform, you know, you get to our age, Peter, and I'm speaking to the younger guys, uh, younger guys and gals out there, you start to see like, holy shit, I know it was really expensive that I bought that thing or that property mm-hmm. or that, you know, that house or whatever it is. And look at how it's done over 10 or 15 years. And then when you're our age, you start saying like, oh, shit, I want to buy everything now. But now we're running out of time. So time is on your side for those who are who are young um, and then have a, a longer trajectory. It's hard to make 
colossal mistakes when you have enough time because inflation and time will you know solve a lot of long-term but the game is you know you know like you said you've been you've been told two different narratives in your life and you you didn't get the second narrative until you got around people who kind of figured out some of the game the first narrative was like pay down your debt get out of debt right and so the game is like how long in your house for instance how if you can get cheap money for a long period of time never pay it down because the never. equity will take care of itself through appreciation. All right. So right. then put that away. Good. Yeah. Never when you go to sell it, you owe 300, you owe 3 million. It's worth five, you know, or right, 300 right. to 700. You're going to get a check. Matter of fact, if you have student loans and you have equity in your house, actually reharvest that equity and, and buy buy down your student loans at a cheap price. Yeah. Especially if you're paying like six, get a seven, HELOC. percent. I said, yeah, I think exactly. I did that in a podcast, told someone like the easiest way, if you own a home, you probably have equity right now because yeah. of inflation. You've, you've agreed to the amount of money that you, when you finished dental school, they said, Hey, you owe X amount of us dollars. There's been inflation. You've got an appreciation in your home. If you're a homeowner or, or, or condo owner, take that, call your bank, say, Hey, how much can I get a HELOC for? HELOCs are usually really cheap. Take that money and put it to your uh, pay down your student loan, right? But don't get a have, HELOC a and buy, debt. but don't get it by a HELOC, go to get a HELOC and buy a car or a depreciation oh asset or a boat. Do not do that. You can get yourself in so yeah, much that's a, trouble. That's a recipe for a disaster, disaster. Do not buy a new debt. Don't, don't buy new debt with that. Pay down existing uh, uh, egregious and, debt. And by the way, we're talking about debt on performing assets. So your student loan debt is a performing asset. You're, you're making that dental salary because of that. So if you really want to figure out your implied rate of return, you have $600,000 of debt and you're making two fifty dollars a year, pretty good ROI. Granted, you're working, but you couldn't get like that. I feel like we talk about real estate like a little bit too much, but like, but then every time I think that I'm like, you know, we should give people other options. But then I think in my head, like, what are the, what are in today's macro climate, economic climate, what are the other options? Growing well, can, business. I t- can I tell you why there's one that, that people don't think about very often, but it works out really, really well. And there's trapping, there's a trap to it. So mm-hmm. real estate works out to be a very good long-term investment because it's difficult to figure out on a daily basis what mm-hmm. it's worth and you can't panic sell. So if every day you could turn on mm-hmm. your computer and say, oh, my Atlanta dental spa building just lost 175 grand because yeah. there's the a shooting. Down. The market's yeah. down and you could sell your building on a whim, you would get really hurt. You'd sell when the shooting happened or when the hurricane rolled through and you know, you'd buy when everybody's trying to buy it. So real estate, you have to huddle, you have to huddle your real estate. Yeah. You have to huddle it. You have to be a long-term holder on real estate because it's just difficult to exchange the stock market, especially when we're talking about index funds long-term diversified portfolios of index funds. I'm not talking mutual funds and I'm not talking picking individual stocks. I know you think you're a genius because you bought Tesla, but if you buy the entire market, the S and P 500, for example, the S and P 500 is like saying, you know, do you, do you believe that you, the, the, the most popular five restaurants in your town will be the same ones in 10 years from now? I don't know, but do you believe there will be a top five restaurants in Atlanta? Look, I remember hearing Peter Malouk talk, Craig, at our summit and me thinking like, I'm a pretty good investor. And then I heard him talk and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to give my my discretionary income, my investment money to you because you know, you've forgotten more than I know. Of course. So the, the, the problem with the stock market is everybody gets in and out. And everybody, all these investors and investment advisors are like, oh, you need to go to cash. You need to go to cash. 
I mean, Peter Malouk says, like, if you would have bought every time you entered the stock market over the last 10 years, you would have bought, or even 20 years, bought the day before the crash. The, oh, you had the worst luck of any human being on the planet, and you only entered the day before it crashed every single time. You'd still be up better than the guy who moved in and out randomly throughout time. So it's not mm -hmm. timing the market, it's time in the market. And I believe the stock market gets a really bad rap because you can panic. Mm -hmm. you know, it's so easy. that On March 25th of 2020, I went out and I bought the entire stock. I bought the S&P 500, the largest single position ever. I bought the VTI, huge, you know, six-figure position. And I remember, I think I might have even been talking to you. Like, oh, this is going to get a lot worse. And I talked to other people and they're like, what are you doing? This is not the bottom. And I panicked two days later and sold like 80%. Of it. I left the 20% investment in there. That investment right now, I bought it on uh, March 20th or 20. I'm going to actually tell you the numbers. Um, that investment that I did, um, I'm doing it right now. I'm pulling it right up. Dead air. All right. All right. Um, is, but, but I mean, I just, the problem is you don't have the, um, yeah, because you, you emotionally, the, you can't emotionally sell and buy, right? I mean, you can't emotionally we're, sell we're and buy. humans, we're all guilty yeah. of that. But you can't emotionally sell and buy your real estate is all I'm saying. And that's why we, we tend to like it. So here's, so let's, let's wrap it with it. I mean, I'll let you find your thing, but I think this is in summation. Like, right. I think we're giving some good pearls, especially to younger people. As much as it, it's sexy to flex on Instagram that now you're, you're rolling on a private jet or you got this brand new, you know, Maserati or whatever it is. Okay. Here know, it is. I'm okay. sorry. I, oh, bought, on. I was about to go on okay. a good, oh, I'm sorry. Go this device, is so but good. Go ahead. Let's, yeah. let's hear your return. Okay. So I bought it March 19th, 2020. Right. Mm -hmm. So I got scared and March 31st, I sold a bunch, but I still kept a lot. So from the initial investment, March 19th, 2020, I've made 94.99%, 95% on my money. You doubled your money. So I doubled my money, but I, I didn't quite get it. I couldn't do it all. If I would have bought real estate, I would not have been able to do that five right. days later. Because of liquidity. Would, you wouldn't oh, have liquidity. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah you, you can't do it. So the stock market's a great idea. As long as you diversify, don't pick individual stocks. Do not do it. I know it feels good. I know it's like the gambling mentality, but go into index funds and and, and don't use brokers. And there's a lot to that too. Don't use a stock So I broker. think our society rewards, like with the influencers and Instagram and, and YouTube and people, you know, showing stuff, people living and like 99% of those people are living outside their means are just doing it for, for show. So our society is telling people like, Hey, buy stuff, do nice stuff, reward yourself. And, and that doesn't really work long-term. It can work in, in spurts, right? But you got to get back to, to base baseline. And so where I'm going, Greg, is the old adage of live below your means is a sound one. And if you don't like that, that bar of living below your means, then go find a way to make more money. But don't raise your lifestyle up to find your income. Just raise that barb and saying, look, I'm living within my means. I just want to make more. Okay. Well, then raise your whole, raise the whole way you're doing it. You know, whether this it's a so, side hustle. This or is something. so funny. We're talking about this right now, by the way. Let me tell you what happened last night. So my buddy Josh and another friend, 
uh, flew in last night because they have a, a big meeting. Um, we don't want to n- name exact names, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. So my other buddy's name, uh, AJ. And AJ last, I, I was with AJ like five, six years ago, and he's a very wealthy guy as a financial advisor. And um, he, he's worth a lot of money. And we were talking like, uh, let's call an Uber, you know, this is five years ago. And I wanted to get an Uber Lux. It was like $26 versus $15 for mm-hmm. Uber X. And he wanted to get an Uber X. And I was like, well, what, what's the extra? Why, why, why spend the extra money on the Lux? And I'm like, well, Uber's kind of shady around here, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, I went to pick these guys up last night. They flew in for a business meeting at Jet Aviation in Palm Beach. They flew a Phenom 300. Oh my God. I pick up, I pick up AJ. I pulled my pickup truck onto the Starmock last night at 815 last night. And I'm like, AJ, AJ gets in the car. I was like, gone a long way from UberX to, to Lux. Now you're going from uh, Southwest to a Phenom. How much did that cost you? He said 40,000. I was like, what changed? He's like, you know, it's so funny. I was just talking about that on the plane right over here. At a certain point, you realize that you, 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 you've made enough and you don't want to screw up the kids. You don't want to leave them, you know, because I've never, I've personally never met a, a trust funder that was a really great person. I've not, I've not had that exposure where they're happy and fulfilled, where they've been given everything. Everybody that has tons of money has either had to work by imposition of their family for rules or they've had to work because they needed to, to hustle. And it was just funny to hear this person now saying, oh, I read a new book, you know, Die With Zero and how it's all about like proper budgeting, how you want to spend all your money. So there is a delicate balance. Well, okay, but times. I hear you on that and I don't disagree with his methodology. And here's why, is that he is now have enough repetitions yeah. in doing things that he knows that he's achieved financial freedom or has the levers in his life to be able to pull when he needs more money. He needs this right. relationship, I want to start this business, do this, get this, right? He knows. So he's financially free. So he achieved that. But right. People- but it, it took a long time though. To re- so what, what happened with that Uber conversation we had, he had already achieved it. So I think we get this pattern of behavior, heads mm-hmm. down, conservative, low burn rate. It's and habitual then almost, right? It's habitual. We hit financial freedom, let's say at 40. He made millions and millions of dollars, you know, maybe $100 million at 40. And then it took him like another five or seven years to be like, okay, I'm being to unwind ridiculous. It. Unwind yeah, it. Yeah. It's like Naval talks about it. It's the freedom to and the freedom from. And it's like, you have to be this type A maniac to like hustle to make millions of dollars. And then once you get all this money, you have to forget that you're a type A maniac and become a monk and like enjoy what you do. So, do you know, for I'm just going to hypothetically, do you know the ratio of a house you can afford? Meaning, I do, I do not off the top of my head. I knew it at you one made, point. Let's say you made a. Uh, Let's just call it round numbers. Let's say you made $200,000 a year. What do you think would be a good metric for if you were house shopping? Where, where would you go buy a house? I think 20% of your salary should go to yeah. your house. There you go. There you go. Is that it's right? Five to, yeah, living belief. But it, technically, you can afford four times, right, your salary. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Technically. So, yes, it's 20%. So, you, oh, you wow, could got tec- it right. Yeah. That's a little bit high, right? So, technically, it should be 25%. I meant like all of your expenses. So oh, utilities, oh, 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 I meant okay. your living, your living costs, I think should be 20%. Right. So that means so your mortgage. Just because your bank, or, I guess the thing is just because your bank says you, you can probably qualify doesn't mean that it's a good idea. 
And that has, that got people in trouble in 2009. Remember like yeah. no money down loans and things like that. So yeah. now banks have become more disciplined. You actually have to put 20% down on your house, but like, then you should also ascertain, is this going to make me house poor? Right. Because like you said, our assets, our cars, our vacations, our, our, our schooling, everything expands to reach that unless you draw the line very quickly early in your life that says, this is, I'm always going to save 20% or I'm always going to do, right. I'm going to live beneath my means, whatever that looks like for you. And that always, you know, that, that term, Craig, live beneath your means always sounded so unsexy to me. I hate it when people say that. It's like, screw you. Don't tell me how to live. Yeah, but right? sleep, sleepless nights are unsexy, but, literally. But, but hold on. I just changed the narrative. Okay, well, like the mean, live below your means, the mean can move up. Meaning, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. If I don't like where that mean is, just like find a way to hustle and side hustle and grow and whatever and raise that that where that line of the mean is to where, where it's like, okay, this is pretty good. Um, and by the way, your your income is really a limiting belief or an expanding belief. I believe that before money hits through bank and before money com- comes to you, you have to resolve your psychology over it. I see so many people self-sabotage. Like a deserve level? Yeah, it's a deserve level. There's yeah. there's, a, there's a lot to it. I, I've, I know people, I've had associates that work with me that do, that resent money. They silently hate money. They hate I think it. a lot of people do. They I, do. I, you hear, you it, hear it. It's a they'll perverse say, relationship. You love they'll say it. things like, oh, look at that guy's car. It's freaking bullshit. You know how much that car costs? I'm like, well, why yeah. do you care? Why do you care? Right. Well, you know how much that guy charges for a crown? Right. It's crazy. Well, he deserves it. People pay it. Right. Yeah, but he, should, he shouldn't charge 3000 Why should he not? That's a great, I'm eating, I'm eating Wagyu steak tonight. I, I ordered Snake River Farm steak. The steak cost me $200. My dad's 80th birthday tonight. Why yeah. shouldn't I eat a $200 steak? I mean, why not? It, it tastes delicious. Or if I want to drink a $50 bottle of wine, why does it bother these people? Because, bottle. But what I'm saying hmm. is they have a perverse hatred of money. And when you hate it, it will elude you. So if you have, if you find yourself saying that, I hope someone hears this right now, but I hope someone hears like, I do do that. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. super mad at like Dr. Jones on the street. Cause he charges $3,800 for every year. Well, Dr. Jones might well, have that's a- the crab pot thing too, right? Like, right, but why, that, why, that why do will- you get more? And I don't, kind of or thing. I'm going to pull you back your car or the car or something like that. But it, it's about money. I think you have to resolve that. Um, and no matter how hard you work it, you know, it will, it will, uh, I even feel like this, like this, even talking about it is a little cheesy. Like you keep saying money. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little cringe every time we say money. I don't know why. Like I have a weird relationship with it as well. Right. And I think it's a good scorecard, but it's never been the thing. It's never been my thing. Yeah. But I have, I have had, I have had that a lot in my past. It's only recently that I resolved that. And you said something earlier. You said, Craig, you're frugal, you know, I, and I appreciate that because that means you that, definitely uh, live below your means. I, well, you, I 100% that means know this. That's what you saying. you're saying. I'm disciplined, but also Pete, not wanting something is as good as having it. So not <laughs> wait, wanting wait, something, what? Not wanting something. Not is wanting as, something is as good as having it. Correct. Okay? So when you desire something, you make a contract to remain unhappy until you have it. Hmm. So I want to be happy when I get this, right. You're Uh entering a contract to say that, um, 
that I that I'm going to remain craving or lacking until such a time as I have it. And you got to be aware of that because then mm-hmm. you'll get it. And then life gets back to its same level mm-hmm. of mean, I guess you'd say. And I think that everything that you own owns a piece of you. And when I've owned stuff and then it starts breaking and I got to maintain it, I've just seen it enough. Everything that I own just owns me in a bit. Mm -hmm. So now I'm really, I'm apt to exchange experiences. I am not frugal with experiences, bro, at all. You tell me I can do a, I can do a a trip for blank dollars. I'm I'm down. I'm totally down. Yeah. But like, do I want a Ferrari? No chance, bro. Not at all. Fit in one. I can't. I physically can't fit in a Ferrari, which is a funny thing because I went um, up two. Fr- I have two friends that were both buying Ferraris, and the, uh, one is a friend and one's acquaintance. And they said to me, "Hey, can we meet up? I, we we want to do. We want to meet. We want you to meet this guy." I'm like, "Yeah. What do you want to go Starbucks? Like, yeah. Can you get a Ferrari at Fort Lauderdale?" I was like, "Really? Like, yeah. We're both ordering Ferraris." So I'm sitting there watching these two guys Ferrari shop and we're talking about some business ideas and stuff like that. And I'm thinking here, I'm like, I don't really want this. And I had to like call myself out. I'm like, am I just saying that? Cause I'm just trying to like, be like, I can't afford one. I don't, I don't want one. I'm like, no, if what? And I really thought about it. If someone gave me a Ferrari, I wouldn't want it. I talked to my wife. I said to my wife, I'm like, Sasha, how would you feel if I had a Ferrari? She goes, are you joking? I'm like, no, I'm just curious. She goes, I wouldn't want you to take me in it. I was like, well, why? Because I don't want that level of attention. I was like, well, I, I drive a Raptor and it's got, you know, big lights on it and it's all jacked up. Like, it's just different. My wife physically told, I mean, literally told me that she wouldn't ride in my, a Ferrari if I had it. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny. I think it's just, it's just an interesting idea, but I, I, I don't know. It's, it's neither here nor there. It's just, I, I do remember at certain points feeling less than because of my money my lack of money or well, and, and the Instagram, that's what I'm saying. Like the social media doesn't help that. Right. Cause it makes no. you feel you could all of a sudden be happy with what you have. Then all of a sudden get online and be like, wait a second, I'm not flying in private jets. I'm not driving this. I'm not in Bali. Like my life must suck. Right. And these people are, are trying to be influencers as a job. So it is their job to fool you literally. Yeah. And then you compare yourself. Well, well gosh, I'm just, I'm just a dentist doing things. I'm not in these exciting places. And you get this weird, like this stinks. And instead, like it, it, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's, I, I it's, don't, it's I don't get weird, it. Anymore. It's a weird thing. I don't, so. I don't get it anymore. I used to get it. And maybe it's cause I'm 50. Peter, I always forget. How old are you? You're 45, 45. So it, I, I, it sounds so weird to say this to you, but at 45 used to happen to me all the time. Oh God. It Back did. in my younger days. No, but five years makes a difference. It makes a big difference. Well, what makes a difference? I just don't even get on social anymore because every time I got off, I was like, number one, I was a, it was a black hole of my time, and number two, I would I would get off feeling pretty bad about myself. But you also have to say, like, when you look at someone's thing that they have or some aspect of their life, you have to say, would I be willing to swap my life with theirs? Mm-hmm. Do I want everything that they have? You know, because I'm around a lot of really, 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 really rich people. Some are awesome and some are not so awesome. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, my radar goes off. Like when someone tries to humble flex on me, like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. I can't call you back. I'm in Ibiza. I'm like, you don't have to say that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I'll just joke with them. Like, oh, you know, I have to call you back. Robert De Niro's calling me right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, or I just, it just, I find it distasteful. And I, and, and I'm also spending a lot of time in full disclosure on a ranch. And a farm. So and I think let, that 
No, I think with that, but look, that's a return on happiness. You use the hell out of it. It was for your family. And like, yes, you're, that's not an income producing asset technically, but, but you, you've earned that level. You get one life and you should have happiness with things that you want. And you've audited that you actually really want it. You spent a lot of time on someone yeah. else's farm for years and years yeah. and years right. to, to test the, the hypothesis first off. Right. So but, I think but, in, in but closing, Peter, if I, if Peter if I, sorry, no, we're not closing yet. <laughs> you, I keep trying to close and you keep just, you keep <laughs> ranting on your money, money things. Well, listen, I think it's important because I think it's a commonality that we all suffer from. So I, I also think that paper losses and paper gains, even though they're immaterial, they cause me to be happy or sad. So I'm happy right now because I bought the property and I believe it's worth more. It would be a really interesting test if I bought the property and the world went to shit and it was worth less. So it's like we can get unhappy. Well, but look, that would have been a good question to ask yourself, right? Meaning, would I still like this if I was negative? And if you still answered yes, then that's a good good audit. I would. So here, here, can I, can I close now? Yes. Now you can close. I hope that people actually listen to the last bit of that because there was some good stuff in there. So if you actually listen to the end of this, can you please drop a comment and just put There's only end? two people listening at this point, Craig. Okay, well, uh, both okay. of them just put end at the end that um, you actually went to the end. So here's a good thing. When you're about to make a purchase, whatever that looks like, do you like it? Do you love it? Do you need it kind of thing? If, if you love it like the farm, it doesn't make financial sense, like go ahead, right? If you have to have it, if you love it, if it's going to bring you lots of joy in your life. There's a lot of other things though that we look at and we don't need. So I think the audit it is if I'm going to pay money, could this money have been spent elsewhere? A, an income producing whatever, the stock market, like you saying, right? Or if you're going to take on debt, is this debt going, going to have an ability to, to increase my cash flow and my lifestyle and or my savings ability? Is this mm-hmm. debt? I know that's a weird thing, right? But if I buy said building, will my tax rate go down? Probably a little bit, right? I'm going to have quote unquote debt. Am I going to cash flow from this property? Potentially, yes. Am I going to have appreciation? Yes. Right. So look at all the things you're buying. A new BMW cannot reach those. If you take on debt, I'm going to take on $60,000 of debt to buy a new BMW. I don't even know what they cost, but let's just call it $60,000 at 4% interest. Right. The next year, that's a depreciating asset. No, yeah. Well, not even the next year. You drive it off the lot and realize that it loses 30%. But it, but, but Craig, if that mother, if that car every morning when you get in, it reminds you of the badass that you are and you love mm-hmm. it and it brings you joy, right? That it, and, and it makes you hustle because you like what it did for you. It likes the way it makes you feel like, okay, it's the same thing as your farm, right? Maybe it's someone's BMW. My point is like, I don't want, I don't ascribe to the Dave Ramsey millionaire next door cut your toilet paper up, never go to Starbucks, <laughs> never do all these things, right? My dad, that, it's my dad. That's my dad, by the right, way. Right, but that is not living. That is, no, that it's is not. trying to not die. That is yeah, trying exactly. to not, thr- it, that is just trying to be in like this, you, like that's the worst dystopian environment, yeah, right? The worst so, possible thing. But audit, I guess what I'm all saying is just audit things. And instead of just being like, yeah, I can afford it. Who gives a shit if you can afford it? Do you love it or do you need it, right? Right, but material possessions in general, 
we've all had, we all no. not only that, I'm talking about depreciating mentally and, and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Like you get that BMW, you get in it, you feel like a badass, it smells the way it's supposed to smell. You close the door, you drive it around for a couple of weeks and you bring it to a shopping center, it gets a ding in it. And you're like, fucking mm-hmm. ding, God, God damn, I can't believe it. It makes, the, makes you feel terrible. Then the second ding and the third ding, then the spilt coffee in it. All of a sudden mm-hmm. it's a fucking car. And you still mm-hmm. have a seven and a month payment on a yeah. fucking car. So, <laughs> you know, so there's a law of return in the beginning when it's not, but, but eventually it's just a fucking car and you will get, get over it. I, my, my point, and you get it. Is and, like, and I look, do get it. I'm just playing that. We can't advocate. shrink our way to, no, to a I know. fulfilled life. But, I but also you can't feel, also I, buy outside your means is where I'm going. Right. And I bought my land for cash. I didn't take debt. I knew it'd be a good investment. If I thought it was going to go down over time, like a car, I wouldn't have felt good about it. Yeah. It's yeah. land. It's dirt. It's dirt. And, right. you know, but they're not making more of it. They say, yeah, you can, you know, so, so I, I, I just, if the, if the car really makes you feel awesome like that, if there's a way to like, you know, rent it for a week, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, listen, if you have tons of money in the bank, great, go for it. But if you're just recently graduating dental school and you're just pissed that you've been eating ramen noodles for the last four or five years, I really, really want you to think about that car. Yeah. Or, really, or, really keep, think about or just keep doing that for a couple more years. You know, you did it for four. I wish I had, I wish I had been a little bit more, uh, miserly and in, in right out of general well school. the it, yeah early investment oh my god returns at the such compiling. a high level i didn't get yeah. start saving from ira until mid-30s yeah right? so don't buy the bmw till you're like it out of practice for 12 years and invest that money put the same car payment and then buy a freaking ferrari or a jet card like literally it could be like that like yeah. think about the cars you want to own and then just <laughs> lease the cheapest car ever but take the same amount of car payment and invest it this pod has gone way too long i thought we all were right, just going right, to do I'm a quick sorry, bro. no sorry. i thought we were just going to do a quick like hey be smart with your money well how but do you talk about all that there's so many it's different just, what's emotional for a lot of people too right there's there's a thing so i won't go down the emotional thing cuz then you'll open up a whole different can of worms on that yeah, you can't like, start that bro no uh, yeah can't do you can't that. do that all right, buddy. Um, I, I was gonna, I'm gonna, I was gonna ask you anything else, but like, no, I'm not gonna give you any more, any more fodder. So, well, just one wrapping. last thing. One last oh, thing. God. Here Dental we go. financial Sorry, freedom, people. guys. Dental financial freedom. Had I um, known about this good. earlier, I would have been um, a lot further along. Yeah, your returns I, have been crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, individual. I mean, might have to vary, you perform but, better because you've been in longer. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. And I know, you know, when you have Peter Maluka, he's like, everybody's telling you the sky's falling bullshit. Everybody, you can't buy anything. There's such a demand for, for goods, right. you know? So, um, had I, had I known this earlier, had I not hinch, hitched my wagon to a broker, you know, one of the, the whole brokers. Yeah. Would, or the whole life would have been a lot better. So. Oh man. So take right, out, buddy. Well, that's take good. Out, that, take out that, dental financial freedom. You can just Google that dentalfinancialfreedom.com. All right. Everybody, have a great day. If you've got any follow-ups, ask some questions on the YouTube channel. Ask some questions in Mighty Network. Let's start it. Let's start. Let's start dialogue around this because I think it's also one of these like taboo things, right? It's like money is this like we want it, but it's very taboo to talk about it sometimes. So let's get dialogue because that's the only way we uh, we expand our scope of understanding. And uh, yeah, that's that's the whole point of it all. So have, have a great day, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Take care, buddy.